Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to the Sofa Cinema Club, episode number 15. I'm Colton Smith and I'm joined by... Jack P. Shepard. Ben Price. The Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together and we educate each other on films, the films we should have seen but we haven't. Each week we watch a new film and then we come into the studio and talk about it every Thursday. The beauty of our film club is that anyone can join in. All you have to do is watch along with the films at home and then come and join us every Thursday to listen to what we loved, hated and rated. This week's film is my choice and it is the Guy Ritchie film of The Gentleman. But before we get into talking about the film, as always, how has your week been? And it has been a week this time. You've got that nailed now, that intro. Do you think? Hasn't it? Yeah. He's loving like, it. Halfway through, you were smiling, going, <laughs> I've got this. Good at this, radio. I've, got this. <laughs> I've got this. Hello, Radio One. I'm Colson Smith. It's the top 40. He's going uh, places. He's going, going places. places. You're, you're about to pie me and Shepherd off. <laughs> He's come off the island. You're about to pie him off. I'm about to retire. Oh, it's off you the and your own. Yeah, straight in. Big news. Obviously, we can see each other through the Zoom chat. Jack has had a haircut. Haircut. Done. What, beard what trim. The, beard trim. It's Good. All right. at the same Done. time. Yeah. Uh, he had my pants down a bit. 42 quid. <laughs> it made me laugh because Ben texted you and put, did you have to pay for two haircuts? <laughs> he literally what's, did. What's it normally? Well, for an haircut, I don't know. But yeah, when I did the beard as well. Mine's expensive and it's 34 quid is mine. And that's expensive. So yours is an extra. It's good though. He does all the line. He does all the Drake lines, you know, on the beard. It I should hope so for 42 yeah. quid. 42 fucking quid. Yeah. I hope he shaves your back. <laughs> did, hot, he ask, did, he ask, did he ask you anything about the island, what you've been up to on the island? He asked me what I've been doing in lockdown. And oh, yeah. I don't that know about go you. Down well with you. You. you don't no. want to talk about it anymore, do you? No, You're you don't. You just go, you know, you this know, and that. I've been doing that game in Rome. Yeah. <laughs> and then... I've been watching on a Netflix. watching Netflix, Desert Island. I've been on Desert Island fucking fishing and trying to survive, mate. And now I'm here for a haircut. Can we just get on with it? Yeah. Did, what did he attack it with? Shears? <laughs> How did he start? Full How lawnmower. Did he start? It must have been the lawnmower just to, yeah. just gradually to start. Yeah. Did you walk in? Did you walk in Nico? Oh, whoa. Two appointments. Whoa. 
whoa, yeah. you didn't say that on the phone. No, we've only got 35 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be able to hoover all of this up. Um, anyone else in there? Full full face guard? Couple of guys. No, no face guard, actually. I don't think you need one. He needs one, though. Yeah, no, no one was oh. bothering. I, see, I get mine tomorrow. I get mine tomorrow. Oh, it's full face guard. I have to wear a mask. Full job. Yeah, yeah I cut, cut, cut Shepherd's out. To be fair, he put a picture on Instagram and it didn't make the pay for Ben. Did you I texted have any him straight Did, away. When you went for today, they all have face guards and that. Shield. PPE. Alex went today and they had PPE and throw away yeah, things, mask. smock things. Yeah. Yeah. You've had it off no Forty-two pounds. He's had you right. Forty-two off. quid and COVID. <laughs> yeah, no. 42 well, he had to cut my beard. As, what's the point giving me a face mask? We need mask to stop talking about this because he's oh, going right. to have to cut all of that. We <laughs> yeah, need okay. to try and pick it up from. Okay, so you're off not. the island. You've had your haircut, Colson. When's your haircut? Tomorrow. Hence why you're wearing a cap. Hence why I'm wearing a cap. And it's going to be, first, it's going to be the awkward conversation of telling my barber, who I was obviously professionally trained, that I've been letting my dad cut my hair um, after he's been working so hard at it for a year. Second, the awkward conversation of, you used to be ginger. Why why, why, why is it? What colour hair do you expect to have when he cuts it? I think, I think it'll be, I think it'll be quite a light platinum. I genuinely think it will. Light platinum. Yeah. A light platinum. I like it. I'd like a light platinum, please, Barbara. Um, and then Jean-Gerre on the sides? No, because I over, over, the top is blonde, yeah? Yeah, yeah. The sides have got bits of blonde and bits of ginger. Obviously, it's not been sunny, so I'm going back ginger. Mm. But he, if I go short on the sides, which I probably will, you know, I'll probably go to a half on the sides... It's going to look like I've got no hair at all and it's going to be blonde on top. So I am going to look blonde. Boris's love child. Do you know somebody said to me? <laughs> do you know someone said to me? Colson Johnson. Someone Colson said to me Johnson. The day, Hello, what's your name? Colson Johnson. Someone said, you look like that kid off Corrie, just his blonde twin. And I went, cheers, and kept walking. Don't know if they, I don't know if they were like having a gag or not. Yeah. No, like, they probably didn't recognise you. Just blonde no. twin. What have you been up to, Ben? Um, what have I been up to? Uh, I'm still having the home haircut. There's no chat there. <laughs> it's the same chat we've been up to in lockdown. Well, you should know. I've been locked down with you. Um, <laughs> I've been a bit of distance jujitsu. Oh, um, how do you do that? Hello, metre apart. Well, you just do the drills, don't you? You oh. do pretend to choke each other. You're choking yourself. What, <laughs> like Darth Vader? Yeah. <laughs> force. No, force on you. Um, and then I run around in my suit in the, around the garden. Um, that's about it, really. Yeah. You know, bit of locked up, bit of work, isn't it? Bit of, it's all a bit changed now. We get, we get our scripts on the old email. Yeah. So that's a bit of the old printing out. And then, um, yeah, steady away, really. Steady away. Bit of film watching last night. Shall we talk about it then? Let's go for it. Let's go for it. So The Gentleman is um, a film by Guy Ritchie, and it is a film that follows um, an American businessman whose business is all about selling weed and it's on mass production, and it's really well done. He is like, he's the Lord Sugar of drug dealers, and 
he's basically, the story is his way out. He's trying to get out. He's trying to sell up. He's ready for the quiet life. And the story is told by a private investigator who works for an English tabloid who is trying to expose the drug dealer. Um, and he's played by Hugh Grant. And that is pretty much the film. It's kind of, it's kind of all from Hugh Grant's perspective. Um, but he's the like weird a narrator, is, isn't he? Yeah. And, and the weird thing you is, you don't story. know what he, you don't know what he's imagining and you don't know what actually happened. So it's quite, it's quite an interesting way of telling a story. So he turns up, his character turns up in a house, Charlie Hunnan's house. Yes. And says, I've got a story for you about your boss, who's the big drug dealer. And actually, when you hear this story, after you've heard the story, you're going to pay me 20 million quid. So the whole premise of the film, really, is him telling this huge story about his business getting taken over and all this kind of for Hugh Grant's character to get the 20 million quid. Let's try to blackmail him, innit? Yeah. Yeah. So we've got Hugh Grant, who plays Fletcher. Um, And Fletcher is, you know, he's a private investigator. He's a journalist. He's sleazy. He's kind of got this... Cockney lisp as well, hasn't he? You know, it's it's a it's a very quite clever voice that Hugh Grant does. And then we've got I can't say his name, Matthew McConaughey. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Who yeah, plays yeah, yeah. Mickey Good. Pearson, who is like the big time drug dealer. And then um, Ray, who's played by Charlie um, Hunnan. Yeah, him. Um, so the film basically there's there's quite everything that Hugh Grant's in. It, it's Fletcher and Ray, isn't it? And it's him yeah. blackmailing him and telling the story. And the way he kind of tells the story is this script that he's written. Yeah. He's basically the story. And it, it, I, I think it's a clever film. And like I said, so I watched this as soon as it came out in January. And I remember raving about it after seeing a trailer that wasn't very good. Seeing the mm. film, I thought it was mint. So I am sold on the fact that you two might be pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, let, let, let's let's talk about it. What do we so, think? Yeah, oh. I've, I've avoided this film because of the trailer. <laughs> You've watched it now, though, haven't you? <laughs> I've watched it now. I've watched it now. And you see, I'm a big fan of Guy Ritchie. Lockstock, Lock his stock. first film that came out, loved that. Loved Snatch. And then I thought he... It always seems that the more money he got the more outrageous it sort of got for me. Like he did that um, Revolver, I think, didn't he? And Rock and Roller. Yeah. Revolver. Yeah. They all and became the same. Layer Cake. And Aladdin. Just... Layer Cake. <laughs> Aladdin? He did Aladdin. He did Aladdin. The remake? Yeah. That was did recently. Mm. Oof. King yeah. Arthur. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think his films are better when he doesn't really have the budget. Yeah. So Lockstock was made for eight hundred thousand pounds. Jesus, was it? Jesus, yeah. Lockstock. Have you seen Lockstock? Course, yeah. And it's a personal favorite film because I always yeah. used to say my favorite actor of all time was Vinnie Jones because <laughs> he was a Hollywood actor <laughs> and he played for Leeds United. And if my I favorite actor of all time things, is the footballer, yeah. Vinnie Jones. <laughs> if I could do two things, it'd be play for Leeds United and be a Hollywood actor. So, fair play to you, Vinny. Oh, God, what's this? Emails. By the way, you, you need that? to turn that beeping off because it's all That's the way through the last do. podcast. Do we had disturb. bloody clock week before. This week we've got... You've got mail. Right. But he never gets mail. He I never do. reads it. So I never read it, but I get it. Hiya, it's Debbie off the island. <laughs> Can't find you. What are you up to? 
Fishing. <laughs> You've left your net. <laughs> <laughs> You've left your net in your boat. <laughs> so, Coulson, what do you like about this film? Hugh Grant. I fought this last night. I love Hugh Grant. I'm a big I'm, fan of Hugh Grant. Like, I, I liked him when he was, I'm Hugh Grant, I'm deadly serious, I'm a very good actor. But Paddington 2, I remember Paddington 2, and fucking hell, fair play. Like, fair play. And then this comes out, and it's like he's just gone, do you know what? I'm good at what I do, and I'm just going to do it. He does play a different character to what he usually does, actually, in this. It, and it's good. It's a bit of a sleaze. He's got a different, yeah. like, he's got, a, like, a full-on Cockney accent, yeah. hasn't he? It's like a sort of, it is a bit of a 1970s Cockney, though, isn't it? Yeah, but... Oh, well, well, yeah, all right. Yeah, I know, it's but, I mean, you are so used to... It's the lisp as well, It's because it? when you think of Hugh Grant, you oh, think of that... Oh, come on. You think of whiskey. that posh voice, but... No, I, th- I thought... 1,500 quid yeah. for a bottle of scotch? Hey, uh, <laughs> someone's doing well, aren't they, Ray? <laughs> You're just thinking. He's just there, chewing the furniture off, and everyone else is behind him, just watching him give it the big... The big... The thing, obviously, initially, was... Which pissed me off, was those glasses he mm. wears are completely reflective. So for yeah. the first 20 minutes of the film, you couldn't see his eyes. That was the idea, though. So he he wanted... Was it? He basically, he he said, Guy Ritchie completely is in control of everything on that film set. And he loves fashion. So in terms of fashion, he basically spoke to every single character about the way they wanted to dress. And he said to Hugh Grant, we've got two options and there's one that I really don't want you to take. But if you want to take it for an actor, I'll let you. And he said, we've got the private investigator trench coat or we've got the oxbloods, the sleazy, the thinks he's posh sort of that. And he went, we'll go that route. And in it, he bought himself a pair of red Ray-Ban. The costume bought him a pair of red Ray-Bans and Hugh Grant basically said to Guy Ritchie, what about if we swap the lenses? And they swapped the lenses to match the colour of the red Ray-Bans and they just loved it. And he said it made him feel like the character. Mm-hmm. Oh, good knowledge, Coulson. Yeah. Ritchie, does, the does, way... Go on. Like, whatever I've watched about this film or the interviews, it does sound like Guy Ritchie completely... Not not that he's a control freak, but they all really like him mm. and he he wants it. He wants everything he does to be good. You know, and clearly yeah. this film, they worked very hard on everybody being happy in their role because it's a big cast... Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we've we've only talked about the first three, but you know, we we had Colin Farrell two weeks ago, you know, and he he was front runner of a Hollywood film last week, and now he's a side part. You've got Bugsy Malone. Jack won't have a clue who that is, but Ben, no. you must have gone. Yes. Oh my God, that's Bugsy Malone. Who's Bugsy Doing Malone? The old rap. I like the rap. I like that gang. I did like that gang. Yeah. So Bugsy Malone, Jack, mm. is like an English <clears throat> rapper. He's actually right. very, very successful, and he plays Ernie in the Teddies, in the Toddlers. Sorry, so Ernie. Oh, in the the, toddlers. Um, the Kid Gang. The yeah. Kid Gang. And when right. they do that video, or, yeah, they're or, good. I, d- I didn't mind them. So, so what we find out, we start off is Matthew McConaughey. You think he's got shot at the top, don't you? Yes. yes. And then he's. I didn't By the way, sorry. Quite- so the pub that he's in as well, it's Guy Ritchie's pub that he owns with David Beckham and the pint, the first shot is that pint being poured. 
It's his beer. It's his beer. <laughs> like, oh, God. Way to introduce your film, that, innit? My pub, my beer, my film. Cheers. Ooh, Sorry, he ordered, a, he ordered a pickled egg. <laughs> I'm like, fucking hell. He's, gonna, he's, he's gone off there. He's gone off script there, pinting a pickled egg. I remember so, my dad tells a story of when we were living down south, um, like they were having a party at the house and he, my dad was going to the fish and chip shop and he did the order and this woman called Donna who used to work with mum and dad went, just get me anything, I'm fine. And so obviously when you say anything, you expect fish and chips. So dad got her a bag of scraps and a pickled egg. (laughs) (laughs) Scraps, bits. That's what we used to say at the chippy. Just just some, can you put some bits on? (laughs) So we get, you think he's been shot at the top old, Pint and a pickled egg, McConaughey. Mm. And then we start no, it, to... Yeah, go on. Go, it go goes on, to what's-his-chop's house, doesn't it? Uh, Ray's yeah. and Fletcher. Yeah. And that's where he basically says, look, uh, Dave, his boss, Dave, so Eddie Hugh Marsden. Grant's boss, Eddie Marsden, who I've Great worked actor. with. I was on Eddie Marsden's first, first job. job. Great did story, you know that, this. Ben? No. So I did a pilot. For the BBC, a comedy. It's Marsden, I think. Yeah, yeah, like the Marsden. place, like the village in Huddersfield. And um, I did this sitcom um, that was um, it was a pilot, and um, I played Lisa Riley's son, actually, and Eddie Marsden. He played my uncle. It was a dysfunctional family. It was all. It was all meant to be. It was meant to be the next only fools and horses. Obviously, it wasn't right. And it was directed by Tony Dow, who directed Only Fools and Horses. Um, and I got chatting to him. I must have been about 10, something at the time. And I had a skinhead to shave my head for the part. And my mum was my chaperone. We got chatting to him. And he'd recently just started acting. He said he was like 40 year old and he was working in a factory and he decided to change his career. He, his mate knew someone who knew someone and got himself an agent, and that was his first job, this pilot with me, playing my uncle. And then wow. you just see him, like, ten years later. He's all over it. He's all over that Ray Donovan that yeah. Andy Wyman keeps yeah. watching. It's finished, though, Ray Donovan. I mean, it's a sensitive subject with me, but it has been discontinued. So, oh, never mind. It's, what would you and Andy do? I know. You know, I, I watched all seven series in a month. 78 episodes. How was your lockdown course? I watched Ray Donovan <laughs> <laughs> for the first month. So, so he's the boss of Hugh Grant, isn't it? He owns yes. the paper or something. Yeah, he, he owns the, the paper tablet. editor. Yeah. And he wants to bring him down. He's got an issue with Matthew McConaughey's Mickey, hasn't he? Um, Because Mickey Pearson is basically trying to make his drug business legitimate. And the only way he can do it is by getting in with lords. Because in England, there isn't enough land for him to have his weed farms. And he's worked out that lords with manor houses don't have the money. So he's basically saying to them, I will pay you rent and commission as long as I can use your land to have my weed farms. And they're saying yes. So it means that Mickey Pearson is a very highbrow drug dealer because his mates are all lords. And he Mm. goes to meet Big Dave, played by Eddie Marsden, at a do. And basically, Mickey Pearson refused to shake his hands because he doesn't like the word that he does as a tabloid. And mm. in then, Big Dave has it in for him, and he says to Fletcher... I know, Mickey, uh, Eddie Marsden's character um, does, runs a front page about one of the Lords cross-dressing or something, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm. 
So then Mickey Pearson meets this other character, a French businessman, who is basically trying to buy the empire French? and buy... Is he not French? French? Is, is he, he not French? French? No. no. He's, well, American. he's American. Is he? New Yorker. Yeah. Well, he... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! I thought he was French. French business. <laughs> no, that's really tickled me, Gosen. That's full on American. The, and they talk the about French how they're both American as well, don't they? Basically, to to buy his business, he wants to get the price down, doesn't he? So yeah. he yeah. starts to sabotage the business, and that's where we meet um, Colin Farrell, Bugsy Malone, the gang of the toddlers, because he sends them in to destroy one of the weed farms. He basically tries to make cracks in Mickey Pearson's business so that he'll sell him it for cheaper. And that kind of is the main middle of the film, isn't it? That's kind of the bit where Hugh Grant says, well, this is what I know. And I know that you've done this, this and that to get to this. Yeah, so we'll go back a bit. So those toddlers, those that gang called the toddlers, break into one of his weed farms, don't they? Smash yeah. it up and steal a load of weed. Colin Farrell's like their boss. The coach. He? He's, He's like the a boxing coach. Boxing coach. So he finds out where they've got this weed from and shits himself because he knows it's from... Mickey Flanagan, what's he called? Mickey, Mickey Pearson. It's from him, yeah? So he's like... Do you know who you've stolen from? He's like the guy. He's like the Don. So he's got to, he's got to make amends with Mickey. So he goes to um, Ray, doesn't he, and says, look, my boys did this. They screwed up. They didn't know who they were stealing from. We're very sorry. We're in debt to you. We'll repay you. And he says, first, I need to find out how your gang knew where that weed farm was, doesn't he? Yeah. So they do a lot of digging well, and he's got in the boot of his car the guy who told him where to go, hasn't he? Yeah. And he does that famous shot, does Guy Ritchie, because he tries to mimic Tarantino throughout the film, I thought. And he does that boot shot, doesn't he, where they open the up the boot. it's the person's POV. And it's the person's POV. It's famous. Well, the Scorsese res- shot? No, it's Tarantino. It's the boot shot. The it's trunk Scorsese? shot. No, Tarantino. I've said it three times. So who, who's copying who? <laughs> sure, Jack? You sure? It's, yes. It's, you sure? It's Tarantino does it do? in Reservoir Dogs. He does it in Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. does it in Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what Guy Ritchie does, does it do well. it in? When Pesci and De Niro kill that guy and throw him in the boot at the top. Of Goodfellas? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Even I know. It's all right, because you said it three times. Tarantino, Tarantino, Tarantino. But go on, Jack. So <laughs> the, the bit you're going at is that Guy Ritchie is a little bit of a copycat. Is that what we're going at? Well, I don't want to say that word, because I do like I do like his earlier work in Lockstock and Snatch, but... Did he do that Did he do that shot also in Lockstock? Didn't he do that shot? Isn't that the poster where they're both looking down? Jason oh, Statham know. and Vinnie Jones. Yeah, he does take he does take things. I think he does. I think a lot of people do. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. don't don't most directors now isn't yeah. that? And especially you know everyone knows Tarantino's men. Everyone knows Scorsese's men. But like, did you get the feeling because we'd watched Seven Psychopaths and because we've watched the Tarantino, uh, the dialogue mm. is sharp in those films. Yeah, it's clever. It's. It, uh, I didn't find it as clever. I found he was trying to do that, 
he was trying to do that form of dialogue, especially in Seven Psychopaths, you know, and Tarantino. But it's a very complicated kind of dialogue that's going on where they're, they're talking about one thing, but something else is happening. I mm. didn't feel Richie could quite get that. No. No, he, I didn't. Apparently, a lot of, like, the scenes he rewrote on the day because they obviously had the script and he wrote the script and he kind of just left it to the actors on the day. And if Hugh it wasn't Grant's working, script got nicked. Yeah, it got stolen out of his car, didn't it? Yeah, his car got nicked and the script was in it <laughs> the night before it was meant to film. It's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So all the yeah. stuff between um all the stuff between Fletcher and Ray was shot in five days. So everything in that house was shot yeah. in five days. I wonder um, whether that is part of the reason why he gets all those people together in that film. He says, look, it's only a five-day commitment, mm. especially to Hugh Grant. You've only got to do five days, you'll get X amount of money and yeah. you'll be out. I wonder whether he finds a way of making it seem very easy to film. But I think the Tarantino, what Jack's brought up, the Tarantino comparison is pretty obvious as it's been through all his films, but maybe not as sharp the, the dialogue sometimes isn't as sharp. When it's not as sharp, you see the holes in it. Yeah. It feels clunky. Uh, I think Hugh Grant does a very good job of delivery, mm. but some of the other stuff, like Farrell gets it. He delivers. I liked him. I thought he was very good in it. Yeah. He delivers stuff well, like in Seven Psychopaths. He's very, he's very good at that kind of dialogue. It, it almost doesn't, he doesn't make it seem Eggy. clunky, does he? The problem I had with it, this film is I thought I wasn't that asked about the plot. It seems as though he wants to go straight and sell his business. Fine. He finds someone to buy it early doors. Fine. Then the other guy who's buying it just wants to get the price a little bit cheaper. And that's the whole plot of the film that he wants to buy it for 200 million, you not 400 million. It didn't million. seem enough. But is that the film Jeopardy. or is the film Hugh Grant? Mm. I don't think the film is Hugh Grant. I think the film is, I mean, he's he's a big character in it, but I don't think it's sort of centred around him. It is what Jack's saying is, I mean, really what you feel is the film is is a gangland boss trying to step out of that life and you effectively what it comes down to is you can't. That's yeah. the big thing is you can't. Once you're in, you're in. Yeah. You're bought into the club. And actually what he says about him being a lion that once you are that person, you are that person. You're not gonna, mm. you're not gonna suddenly change your spots. Once someone, the interesting bit of the, the where it got reasonably interesting was when Mickey Pierce feels like he's on the back foot, and that other gang come to him to buy his business, don't they? And then he realizes his wife says to him, "Everyone's getting a whiff that you want to sell your business," which basically means you're the line. You want to leave the savannah. You're all going to get, you're going to get eaten alive yeah. here because everyone thinks you're weak. But I agree with you, Jack, actually. Probably a weak strand of the story is the fact that Matthew and Dry Eye are working together to deteriorate his business so that they can buy it for cheap. Mm. I, you know, I, I, I got back into it, you know, when, that when Dry Eye's trying to basically fuck them all off because he wants it for himself because he's mm. had a look at, the money and the lifestyle and he wants it for himself. But I, you know, I, I do agree with you that the story probably, you know, it, it it's, it's a very simple story. 
And it, I just thought it was a bit weak. It wasn't something I was interested in. I was just sort of like going, right, well, it something wasn't else. a smart twist. No. That's, it didn't feel smart to me. It just felt a bit like I need to put something together which has got these actors in it, and it's a bit like, you know, old time. I mean, what would have been interesting is the old time gangsters facing the new gangsters. That that might have been interesting. You know that, what they called the toddlers. Yeah. Them, the, the Matthew McConaughey's character and how that worked. I thought oh, that could be interesting, the new and the old, but it still felt like we we're in this bizarre pastiche of gangsters. Did, mm. did you find it a bit weird as well, how they go to get one of the Lord's daughters, who's obviously got a heroin problem. Mm. So they go to get her to bring her back to meet the Russian character that is in Charlie's fridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the kid. The, yeah, that the kid then falls sets, off the balcony. Yeah, and then that then sets the film up for the end, which is such a little, like, skim when it's in the film. When it comes to the end, it's like they'd basically try and summarize. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Right, the film in 60 seconds, in it? And it was actually the Russians. It's a bit yeah. like... I oh. felt like he'd gone, he'd written the script and got to the end and thought, oh, I need oh, someone enough. else in here. I need some Russians. <laughs> it was like he threw, he got everyone in a pot, didn't he? Mm. And sort of mixed them all up and every, went, oh, yeah, every Russians are like this. Yeah. Every stereotype, they're like this and they're like that. And it, it just felt laboured and old and it wasn't even... Brilliantly shot, like in Lockstock, no. one of those slow, mo- slow, you know, that kind of jump cuts and speeding mm. up. And it was like, it had energy. This felt a bit like. Yeah. It did in Snatch as well. I did a lot of that speeding up and everything. Yes. And it was interesting. And there wasn't any of that. It was all a bit like, I don't know, it felt very separate. And I think you're right. That bit where they went to rescue the daughter, Coulson, was a bit where I was like, why are we here? Yeah. Mm. And why the- am I having a big monologue about. 
The way I wonder if the works. daughter was Sting's daughter, and Sting is in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, isn't he? So yeah, it's he a bit of an odd connection there. He put the money in, did he? Sting did. The Lock, Stock, his wife did. Was, that's a bit of an odd connection, isn't it? You see, I wonder if when he was doing Lock, Stock and when he was doing Snatch... Maybe even Layer Cake. I wonder if more people had a bit of a say. And I just feel like, I don't know, maybe as he's got a bit bigger, Guy Ritchie, I wonder if he's just wanting to do everything and control everything and not letting... Well, this is interesting, isn't it, now? Because if you think, we've done, a, we've done a Tarantino. If you look at the, the first of Tarantino, if you look at Reservoir Dogs and then you look at the end of Tarantino, where we are, you see Tarantino in a very similar spot in Reservoir Dogs. Mm. Li- very limited budget using half of them were real gangsters half of them were actors that was you know that that weren't big money actors but were known with faces and he Mm. put a very tight script together in a very tight budget and it worked and you watch that story and it's a bit like guy Ritchie, lock stock Mm. not massive actors some of them were a a bit faces footballers singers sting (laughs) yeah and he had the real kind of gangster and Lenny McLean and Denny yeah. fighter and all that. And he had, and he mixed it up. He didn't have much money. The story was very, very clear. Boom. I've got to use some energy in here. You're in and you're out. You know, fast forward, they've probably got all the money they want to mm. spend it. They've got all the time they want. They've got all the actors they want. And it just felt like, I don't know. He got his mates together to make a film. You're probably talking me out of the idea, probably slowly talking me out of the idea of liking the film. And I was thinking, well, actually, but, but why do I like the film? And I, I am going to put a lot of it down to Hugh Grant, you know. And mm. I think, Coulson, when I was thinking about the film we watched and you picked this film, what I'm interested in is why you why like I it. Pick it. Because mm. I realised when I was watching the film... I've already come to this film, unfortunately, probably like Jack, with a catalogue of very, very good films in this genre. A catalogue. A catalogue. If I want gangsters, if I want a Cockney gangster, if I want some realism, I'm probably going to go to Get Carter. I'm going to go, which you won't have seen. You know, Kane, Get Carter, the Northeast, Mucky, or I'm going to go to Tarantino. But then I thought, once you said Hugh Grant and what Hugh Grant does in that, I thought, I get it. I see that. It's why you like it, Coulson. I think that's valid. It's just the rest of it falls down. It's almost like it's almost like he's gone. I've got a fucking great idea for Hugh Grant. Shit, let's make a film. Yeah, that this will be great because Hugh Grant's normally posh. He'll go for this. It'll be a laugh. But the rest of it doesn't stand up. And he's a good filmmaker. He is a good filmmaker. But it doesn't. It just doesn't stand up. It gets a bit twisty yeah. and then you lose yourself they go and rescue the daughter one of the guys is thrown off the balcony then you get into that really bizarre bit where they go and run after them for their phones. phones yeah i didn't mind I didn't, that i didn't mind that do you know I didn't it, mind that bit. It, it 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 is tough now because obviously we're heading towards the ratings and if we'd have gone down that route that we discussed a few like episodes back of writing our rating down before i'd probably be really reluctant because my rating's not changed just saying my rating does and it always does yours it always goes higher and some of mine if i'm talking about the film and i get excited it gets higher Mm, and others like this where actually 
I'm going, well, the only thing I really liked was the two handers between Hugh Grant and Charlie. And I didn't actually think Charlie was very good. But Oh, I actually liked him. I didn't mind him. Yeah. And I have to say he was the only one to me and Colin Fire who played it straight. Yeah. Who I thought he's this is actually happening to him. McConaughey, Mm. I just thought he was in an advert all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he just spent his whole time on a sofa smiling at himself. Farrell, I felt, was in Very, something. Yeah, I like, played I like, it I like Farrell. Farrell. Hugh Grant, you know what I mean. He's, he but did a Hugh Grant. That Colin Farrell. He did, is, I don't think he did do a Hugh Grant, to be fair to him. I think he went off a bit and did a character that he's not really done before. Interestingly, did, Hugh Grant, he got offered a um, little story about Hugh Grant. When he first got offered uh, four weddings and a funeral, he'd been doing, um, producing like adverts for like radio and stuff. And he was going to give up acting altogether. And then four weddings came along and he got, um, got the script and he actually phoned him up and said, I think, I think you've made a mistake. You, you've sent me a script and it's really good. I, I think you've sent it to the wrong person. They went, no, 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 it's for you. He's like, oh my God, really? And they went, yeah, cast him in the part. And a few years later, after the after the success of the film, Four Weddings, he got sent the Jerry Maguire script, you know, to play oh, Tom yeah. Cruise's. Brilliant. Yeah. So he got this and went, oh my God, it's an amazing script. And he phoned him up and said, I think you've made a mistake. You've sent me this script and it's really good. And they said, yeah, you're right. We have. Can we have it back? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking gutted. <laughs> Fucking gutted. He's trying to pretend. Oh, I think you've made a mistake. Oh, shit, we have. Yeah, sorry. He, he went through a phase of um, representing himself as well, didn't he? Because when he was fresh out of drama school, he went with Michael Whitehall and he did his first two jobs in theatre and he did really well and he, he was tipped to go big. Um, and he, he, he left Michael Whitehall and didn't work for like three years and was just touting himself around trying to get all bits of jobs. And then I think it got to a point where people were ringing him up and saying, can we see Hugh Grant for an audition tomorrow? And he'd put a different voice on and be like, <laughs> yeah, Hugh will be there. Did he put the old voice on from the film? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think he much wants to act anymore, does he? Mm. The, the last two films he's done, I, I, am I right in saying it'll be Paddington 2 and The Gentleman? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And you look at them and those characters, it's just like there's a guy who's enjoying his three months of work a year. Yeah. I mean, Paddington yes. 2... It, it, uh, it, we might even come on the podcast because it's a fucking great bit of entertainment that <laughs> it really is like he you just watch it and you enjoy watching him enjoy himself and I, I did think, like him in Paddington yeah I did find him more it's a more interesting character it's a more it's a deeper character it's a bit closer to him it's a yeah. bit what I liked about in Paddington I suppose against this is this is just Hugh Grant who I know is posh normally Put it on a bit of an accent, and uh, and he's all a bit like that. But in Paddington, it's all a bit close. Mm. He's an actor. It's all a bit close to him, and I like that. I like the way he plays it. Slightly edgy, slightly nasty at times. I like that. Uh, but I think you're right. He's enjoying himself, and why not? Why not? So... It's nearly time to conclude this episode of the Hugh Grant Fan Club podcast. Um, <laughs> shall we? Shall Shall we rate it? Go for yeah. it. Could be a good timing. It, it obviously it was going to be an eight. It was going to be an eight, but 
I'm going to drop it to a seven. And that seven, I'd say five of it belongs to Hugh Grant. And it is purely me as a kid who wants to be an actor, watching an actor enjoy themselves in a part that you go, do you know what? I'd like to have a crack at that. I like the script. I like the two-handers that they did. Mm. Fair play. The stuff outdoors, you can tell they've just cracked off each other filming that. You know, he made his story enjoyable. And I thought I liked the rest of the film. You know, there was definitely something in the rest of the film for me to pick it. Um, Mm. But listening to what you and Jack have spoke about, you know, if that bit of the film was outstanding... It probably, you know, obviously it would have been a much better film. So, yeah, a seven. But I think that's also very cool, is that you're now starting to look at films rather than go, it's, it's, Cube the whole of it is great. Yeah, yeah. You're starting to go, well, that is interesting and I like him and I like the character. I'm more the disappointed now than I was when I watched Kramer versus Kramer. I'm more disappointed now that I've picked something and yeah. it's not what, it, you know, and I, I enjoyed it, I finished it yes. and I enjoyed it. And then we got to the podcast and actually when I've understood it more, I've gone, do you know what? Mm, take mm. it or leave it, which makes me feel a bit more disappointed than when you're talking about Kramer versus Kramer being the best one ever. And I'm going, I didn't get it, which is weird. But I think that's because it, it, it's my film. And actually now I don't feel like it is my film. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. That's and I, I bet you, you know, I bet you, in another few episodes, another few series, if you went back to Kramer, you might see other things in it that you hadn't before. You might see those performances that you hadn't before. I think that's what we're talking about with film is that you can't help but in film sit down and the back catalogue of what you've seen before inform what you're watching. Yeah. You just can't help it. You can't help but go... The more film you see, the more you go, okay, I've seen that shot, like Jack said, or... Mm okay, I've seen a better dialogue or okay, I've seen a better character played by this. Yeah. So you can't help that. And that's what's happening to you now, Colson. You've expanded your catalogue of films and going, now you're going, actually, yeah, I like you, but you're right on plot. Like plot is not seven psychopaths, is it? It's not seven. I mean, seven as a plot is extraordinary. Yeah. It's, you know... It's not Fight Club. Fight Club's an extraordinary plot. It mm. twists you all over the place, and then there's a big twist at the end. It's not. It's not that kind of twist, is it? It's a twist where you go, "Oh, okay." Just to What's clarify to our listeners, Hannah Montana is still a ten out of ten. <laughs> go on, Ben. Not completely lost your mind. <laughs> I've not. You've not completely lost <laughs> it, Coulson. I'm not saying, but Hannah Montana, you're judging on. A lot of those films you'd seen, Coulson, which were very similar. Yeah. So Hannah Montana is a 10 for you because you've got backstory on Hannah Montana. Mm. You've seen a lot of films that you go, they're Disney, they sing, they're uplifting, and I've seen a lot. And actually, out of all of them, Hannah That's Montana's the my one. 10. Mm. What I suppose I'm trying to say is you're now seeing some of me and Jack's films where you're basing other things on other genres now and going, I'm not so sure. Mm. You know, I remember when you saw the gentleman, you went, it's amazing. It's amazing. I remember that. Yeah. And now you've gone, I love you, Grant. And that's what critique is. I like that. I don't like that. Yeah. Jack, what do you think? Three. Oh, (laughs) fucking hell. I absolutely love it. To the ball. It has to be No mucking around. An axe. 
there's yeah. I don't think much yeah. of the writing, I don't think much of the directing. Yeah. The plot's not there. The three is for Colin Farrell, Hugh Grant, and yeah. Charlie What's His Chops. Yeah. I, I, I don't see it anywhere else, anywhere else, really. Um, yeah, interesting. Not all the way watching it. I was just, I was huffing and puffing. And I was watching it all. I wasn't on my phone. Yeah. I committed. Yeah. And at the end, I reached for the remote and switched the fucker off. I couldn't wait. I just thought, God, it's just, it. It's just boring. It's just a boring film for me. Yeah. I wasn't interested in any of it. Bet you weren't happy with paying £4.99 for that, were you? I wasn't. I I liked, I liked Colin Farrell's speech in the, in the chip shop. I thought that was good. How he disarms him with the knife. I thought that was a good three minutes. Uh, Hugh Grant's little jokes. They were okay. And uh, yeah, the, the, the duologue between, um, Ray and Fletcher, I thought all that was fine. The rest, it was just a bit, I'm not bothered, really. Ben? Oh. It's really hard because I don't, I feel like sometimes you're like a teddy bear and I'm, and I'm, I'm sort of cuddling you and then I just cuddle you a bit too tight because it, this annoyed me more than Papadopoulos. Oh, hello. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 I wasn't wow. expecting that. Because I think in, in Papadopoulos and Son, uh, I agree with Jack. Do you know what? I'm going to change my rating of what I first was going to give it. Because no. I agree with you with Hugh Grant. He's having a good laugh. It's a pastiche. It's a kind of, but it's all right. It's, it's, I agree. He's having a good time and whatever. Um, I was very close to a zero. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> It annoyed me. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Mm. And, and it's a it's a lot of good actors and he's a good director. And mm. he could have done better. So and he how, could have done yeah, better and that annoys me. Did you expect better then? Yeah. So do you know what? You know how I, I did? said if you watch the trailer, the trailer's shit. Do you think do you think the trailer justifies the film? I didn't watch any of the trailer. I didn't watch anything. I thought I'm gonna go into it fresh. I knew it probably wasn't going to be a lock stock or a snatch. I knew that, but I never walk into a film going, I've already made up my mind. No. I go in going, you know, it's a bit like Hannah Montana or whatever. You go in and you go, actually, yeah. I can see that. I yeah. get it. Yeah. But this, like Jack, I switched it off at the end and went, oh, <laughs> I looked at the dog. She looked at me and she said, that's two hours. We're not going to get back. No. Um, so I think I'm going to go one. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing. I'm not angry. Get, hang, hang on. 11 out of 30, I, th- I think that's less than Papadopoulos. That's bad. I think Papadopoulos that's was bad. like 12.5 out of 30. 11 oh, out of 30. No, I think it got 11.5. I think that's that's the lowest. I, I, I think 11 out of 30 is the lowest of but the But I low. think we've got to be honest. I, I think the other thing as well is there's a lot that could potentially be there. Yeah, and they've just fucked up. And I gave I it a very generous seven, because all seven, seven, you know, all... all Who did? Well, well, that's five points for Hugh Grant. You gave Hugh Grant one. But. Yeah, I get it. But the rest of it, or maybe I'll give it Charlie Hernan one. <laughs> I get it. And, you know, the barbecue, that table barbecue was very good. Yeah. By the way, Guy Ritchie invented that. 
Did he? Yeah, they're like on sale. You can actually buy them. But it's Guy Ritchie's. It's I'll tell you Guy what, Ritchie's 1. Grill. 5, because <laughs> the barbecue in it, that was great. I thought if I if I could have a table barbecue that could warm my legs and I cook a steak on... Wagyu steak 1.5. 1.5. 11.5 out of 30, which is annoying Jack because that might be the same as Papadopoulos. I think it's the same. Oh, is it? Okay, we'll go... Let, go. Oh, no. <laughs> we can't keep changing. I can't right. keep changing it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep changing it. I, look, let's on the whole, yeah. Coulson, a very good film to pick to be able to go into it about why it didn't work. Yeah. It's just as important to pick those films. Like, me and Jack are picking bangers. Mm. Absolute bangers. Oscar winners. Yeah. You're we know they're it. great on the whole. Yeah. You know, so... But you're I think you've films. only picked one Oscar winning film and that was a series of unfortunate events for makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you arguably you've got a harder job. You're picking the films, you know what I mean? You're picking yeah. and I think it's good to know what you like and you don't like. Yeah. Mm. Right. So we've got um f- is it five episodes left? What, well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I I, so I think we're into your last two picks, is it? So Oof. What is it? Okay. Ooh. Ben you came up with this one. Okay, so Western, Back to the Future. Back no. to the Future. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. But is it in black and white? No. no. Oh, I feel like I've been forced to watch this by my dad once. I do feel like well, I might have been forced. And the, what's it, Ennio Morricone? Is yeah. that? just died. Do, do, do. Keep going. No, that's not. Have you just done Rocky? Have you just done? Is that? That's not what I meant. What did I mean? What did I mean? Is it? I meant that. Yeah. Yeah. Very fair. It'd be interesting to see what you think. Do you know what would be interesting, Coulson? Is if you see any shots in that film that you might have seen in a Tarantino film. We talked about shots. So next week's episode is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Keep in touch yep. with us on Twitter um, at Sofa Cinema Club and on Instagram at Sofa Cinema Club. We're no longer posting the scores. A few people have said, "Where are the scores?" Basically, Boring. we posted the scores, and somebody said, "Can you please stop fucking posting the scores? It ruins the <laughs> podcast." So we decided <laughs> not to post the scores. Um, You'll have to yeah. listen. Good night. God bless. Good night. God bless. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.